0: Welcome to episode four of Trading Card Therapy. I'm your host, the Doctor, Leighton Sheldon, owner of Just Collect and VintageBreaks.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Just Collect, Vintage Breaks, OTA Sports, and our friends at Bleaker Trading. If you're ever in New York City, check them out. Fantastic Baseball Card Social Club. Anyway, I hope you folks had a great Labor Day holiday weekend. I myself Went down to Ocean City with my son Crosby and my wife Julie. We had lots of fun. We were able to get sunshine most of the time. Hopefully you are as well. However, the last, I would say, five or six days, not counting the last couple days here, as the cleanup is now fully underway, um, I just wanted to take a moment to send uh, my thoughts, my prayers, my compassion out to whether it be just citizens of the tri-state area New Jersey in particular, which is where I'm a homeowner and a business owner in, as well as small business owners and business owners uh, in the state of New Jersey. It's been a rough post-IDA up here. You know, we're very fortunate and grateful that we've been able to take our growing staff of 10 plus here at Just Collect and Vintage Breaks and be able to really put everything we have into getting us back up and running. But I would be remiss if I did not mention something that personally happened to me as we were going away uh, this past Saturday, as I mentioned, to Ocean City, New Jersey. It's a wonderful place as I hear the boardwalk announcer letting me know it's America's playground over the last several days uh, on the boardwalk. So I went down to, you know the Wells Fargo, where I have a safety deposit box to drop off a few extra things before we went away on vacation, just to be you know, safe as possible. And um, I used to live in Milburn, New Jersey. My Wells Fargo bank with this, you know, if you will, vault. They don't have one in every Wells Fargo, happens to be in Milburn. And so, not thinking at all, I simply took care of my business very early. It was the first one there at the bank on Saturday morning and went to just, you know, go downtown to grab an orange juice and what I thought was a bagel. And if anyone who's familiar with this Milburn area, the Wells Fargo is kind of like on the outskirts of downtown. And then you make your way inward and inland, if you will. And there's a small creek down there. And it just didn't dawn on me uh, what could have happened because of Ida. And it really got to me. You know, I got fairly emotional walking around. Not only the the bagel shop that I frequent was, was closed, it was more than closed. It was devastated. These businesses had many of their belongings. Um, this is Saturday morning, keep in mind. So this is, you know, Wednesday is now several days before. These are folks who probably have a lot of their livelihoods wrapped up in this. And it was hard not to get emotional as a, as a fellow business owner uh, and seeing folks with their belongings on the street. And then you just took a glance into the sushi place, which is on the corner, and a candy-slash-ice-cream place that my son Crosby likes to frequent. And it's not just that their belongings are on the street, but as we know here at Just Collecting Vintage Breaks, oftentimes the interior of the businesses have suffered greatly by having the carpets removed or the floors had to be torn up. Uh, and so I hope that each and every one of those businesses is doing the best possible, uh, as I explained, you know, to our staff. We we really have been very fortunate and grateful for putting ourselves back together and the way that we, you know, came together as a group, you know, to see us move forward. But understand that some folks, you know, are not going to be as lucky, whether it be with their business or their home. So if there's anything we can do to put a smile on your face or help out even in the slightest, please reach out to me personally, late at Just or tune into our many, very many streams uh, this upcoming week. Uh, on Vintage Breaks at YouTube.com slash Vintage Breaks. We'll be talking about it. But I wanted to uh, I wanted to mention that as being, you know, uh, I don't know if there's such thing as a proud New Jerseyite, but I am proud of, you know, where I live and the community that I take part in. And so it really did pull at the heartstrings to see devastation of that variety right in your home front. And you're thinking very innocently, like, oh, I'm going to go grab my bagel. And these folks, yes, you know, they might have insurance, but that doesn't do much for their mental you know, well-being, or for that matter, their payroll that's due in two weeks. Because let's be honest, right? We know insurance companies tend to drag their feet sometimes. Um, So anyway, we're not here for that. We are here for trading card therapy, as I said, episode four. So let's get to the first topic this week. And we're going to title it Thinning the Horde. You're going to see why I'm titling it that and how it was worth mentioning Ida and how I'm going to tie it all together here on today's Trading Card Therapy Show. So many of us, whether it be we fancy ourselves as collectors, dealers, investors, and such, we just all have accumulated, whether it be buying a lot out of an auction, you're going to break it up, and you never sell off all the parts of that lot, whether it be you participate in breaks, like with our sister company, Vintage Breaks, and you get you know, the hits that you like, but then there's all the extra cards. What do you do with those? Um, and so it was never more apparent to me than uh, following Ida in the last few days at how much stuff, you know, we have here collectively as a company uh, at Just Collect, um, also at Vintage Breaks. I'm, I'm sure my friend Jason at OT of Sports has tons of stuff, as well as my friend Mark at Bleeker and all the other, you know, folks that are out there in the collecting universe and break-a-maniacs that are part of Vintage Breaks. You don't want to wait until it's too late. And I don't just mean because of a hurricane, but what about going after, you know, you see an upgrade for your Babe Ruth Gowdy Uh, at public auction, and you're not able to go after it as aggressively or as feverishly as you would like because you're sitting on a number of, whether it be doubles or you've taken a different direction, you're no longer working on a 1955 top set, or you no longer are going to pursue that T205 uh, gold border tobacco set. And so what happens is we find ourselves, I don't know if we're necessarily hoarders, but we're certainly collectors. And we absolutely appreciate not just the sport itself, whether it be baseball, basketball, football, et cetera, but the actual, you know, the little Picassos, you know, these baseball cards that, uh, that, you know, we're all passing around and trading around and selling, you know, back and forth to each other. All of those have value. And what I found is through the years, it's kind of like a home, right? I don't know how many of you out there listening to today's show are either current homeowners, aspiring homeowners, and even if you're not a homeowner and you're just a renter and you're renting an apartment, you're renting a home, we just collect things, whether it be baseball cards or other. And so I would just caution you that if you have a lot of extras or cards that maybe are not keeping your interest at the moment, to reevaluate that section um, or that portion of your collection as you're getting ready to go back to some baseball card conventions, or you're bidding in some of the upcoming auctions like Heritage, like REA, like Memory Lane, or, you know, countless others that you can find at my buddy's website, Ryan Friedman's AuctionReport.com. Great place to check out all of the upcoming auctions, their end dates, their consignment dates, all that kind of good stuff. And by the way, folks, if anyone is ever a paid sponsor of Trading Card Therapy, we will kindly, kindly let you know. But these are actual friends and businesses that I do business with, and then I use. So, you know, when it comes to uh, evaluating our collection, I think part of the difficulty is we have all these different buckets. Um, as I was just mentioning a minute ago, you know, you're pieing into breaks, you're working on a set, and it really is hard to kinda keep tabs on everything at once. So, my suggestion would be to thin the horde. And so, to give proper credit, I was recently reading a thread on Net fifty four baseball card message boards. So for those of you who are not familiar, just Google Net fifty four baseball. Uh, if you are a true vintage card enthusiast and baseball card nerd like myself, you will absolutely enjoy the information that's there. Sometimes there can be drama, like any other place in life, right? But if you if you can drown out the noise, there's some wonderful information and great collectors there. And they also have a buy sell trade board. Another place to buy, sell, trade uh, free of fees is on the Vintage Breaks Facebook page, where once again, if you have a community of folks that you are close knit with and you share a common interest, these are great places to thin the hoard. So the reason why I bring up Net54 is because as I was texting with Ken, uh, who's in charge of our social media and marketing here at Vintage Breaks, one of the titles for a future episode I, if you will, borrowed that from posts that I read on there and someone was talking about their T206s, but it couldn't have rung any more true for me. Um, It hit both in my brain as well as in my heart after seeing all the cleanup that we've had to do since Ida, as well as the work that we're going to have to continue to do, um, and then just trying to get a better handle, you know, on things as a collector, as an investor moving forward. So that way I can enjoy it because let's be honest, right, if these things are in drawers, are they really much different than the cutlery or the old clothes that you have at home? Now, if you collect old knives and old clothes, uh, who am I to judge? Believe me, I don't. Uh, you know, I, I collect all sorts of things. I'm just suggesting if you have so many things in a particular collecting discipline, right, like baseball cards, it might be time to consider thinning the hoard. And one of the ways to do that, aside from, example, for example, using the Vintage Breaks, Buy Trade Group on Facebook, using Net54, is just thinking about how you acquired your card. So I see Ryan Steele. What's up, Ryan? Uh, And Mike P just jumped into the chat. But I'm bringing it up because you're not as lost as you think in regards to, let's say, you're an active participant in a breaking community. Well, maybe that particular breaking company, like Vintage Breaks, would buy cards back for you for either cash or break credit. Or you hop in, I know some of the other big companies out there uh, in the breaking world, uh, like Grand Sam Collectibles. Uh, you know, Nate is an awesome dude, and he's got an amazing community. They buy and sell and trade with each other all the time on Facebook. So guess what's happening? You're saving a good 8 to 10% off the top by not having to give it to eBay or what have you. And then you're also establishing, you know, contacts, friendships, relationships in an area that you enjoy. Um, and so don't be shy, whether it be Vintage Breaks or Grand Slam, or some of the other break companies out there. For that matter, if you have an LCS, for those of you who are tuning in do not know what that stands for, local card shop, local card store. Hit up your local card store. If you've been buying from, that, from them for months or, or years, there's a really good chance that not only do they need inventory, but they're going to want to support a customer. So don't be shy. The worst they're going to say, this is what I tell someone. If they hit me up and they're trying to thin the hoard and I can't use it, I will let them know, I'm sorry, I don't need that stuff at the moment, I have too much or it's just not for me. And if they press a little bit, I'll either say, I really have too much or I can't pay you what I think is fair or you know some other reason why I don't need that inventory or don't covet that inventory at the moment. But I will let you know, hey, I think so-and-so is, for example, at Vintage Breaks, right? They're doing set breaks, hit them up for sets, see if they're buying sets. Or for that matter, I, I see repacks everywhere on Loop and whatnot, you know, two of the bigger breaking apps these days in the breaking world. Well, don't be afraid to hit up, you know, the companies on there. If they're, you know, putting graded cards together in a graded hit random the way the vintage breaks does or on Loop and whatnot, and I see the re- repacks. Well, the graded cards got to come from somewhere um, and they're not coming out from PSA in droves. We all know that. So it's a very healthy thing to do. It's also going to make you feel better in terms of when you go and you bid in auctions and whether it be, you know, you're telling your significant other or your family or a friend about big either purchase that you've made or you're contemplating making, thinning the hoard is going to allow you to psychologically feel better and then realistically feel better in your wallet because you're going to be in a better financial position to go after someone you covet. And we're going to save this tangent for a future episode, but I want to be clear that, and I know myself included, everyone's lines these days are blurred between being a collector, being a dealer, being an investor, but thinning the hoard, what's really great is it applies to every aspect of that individual. Because even at in any of those different buckets or wearing those different hats, you're going to find yourself... Oh, I don't know, making it up. You might want to buy a $300 or $400 box, which you normally would never buy and open. But, you know, whether it be your favorite breaker or your local card shop got something in, and you're like, you know what? I sold off some stuff. I thinned the hoard over the last three months. And even though it's not a grail card, I'm going to use some of my budget. We've uh, been working with Crosby about his budget the last few days at the shore. And it's interesting how kids can pick up on math when there's money involved in toys um, and and what's available to, to buy and such. But I really thought about myself and then our community, not just the trading card therapy community, but the, the community at large, you know, macro looking at um, card collectors, whether it be in the Pokemon space or in the non-sport card Batman and Superman space or in the sports space. But to be very clear, this stuff takes time. And this is the tangent I was talking about. Think about as you move forward as a collector, a dealer, investor, hybrid, whatever the case may be, what line, what path you'd like to take because as you thin the hoard, you may find yourself right back in that same or similar spot if you're not careful after, you know, pruning the bushes, right? Thinning the hoard and finding some new homes for some or many of the cards that, you know, you are no longer interested in or find desirable or fit into your PC personal collection. So that's my best advice, you know, in terms of thinning the hoard. And then of course... Like I said, for a future episode, we'll talk about these different avenues you can go. I've sold stuff privately. I'll put stuff together through hit randoms. I can sign to auction houses. I trade. And so there's pluses and minuses to all of them. Um, but I do have this expression that I try to use, whether it be you're a veteran of the industry or the hobby, or uh, you know, you're know you someone you know from the way outside and you've just solicited our company justcollect.com for a free appraisals of your baseball cards, you know, your vintage ones, you inherited them, or you haven't looked at them in a long time. There's no doubt that you have to be prepared. And so the best way to do that is to, you know, not wait until that, you know, grail card comes up for auction, but you build up that war chest, you build up that budget, or you just have those people, you know, at your fingertips that you can email who are buying sets, who are buying singles, And a shout out to a good buddy of mine, Jimmy Ryan. He runs the uh, Long Island and Hofstra shows. And the reason why I bring up Jimmy is Jimmy works his tail off, you know, pre-COVID, right? Post-COVID, setting up at dozens of conventions a year, selling vintage ungraded singles, 50s, 60s, some 70s. And of course, you know, much earlier. And the reason why I bring that up is because I worked with Jimmy to sell off a bunch of excess inventory from Just Collect over the last, let's say, 12 months where maybe in the previous 12 months, I was selling those cards in eBay or I was selling them at conventions. But I realized in terms of my direction as a business owner, it takes me time to manage all of that. And time is money. And to be fair, not just time is money, but time is family time. Meaning that, yes, you could make a buck or an extra two bucks or three bucks because the percentage is really good. And, and you you know you didn't milk every last penny or nickel or dime you could from something. But that's part of you know learning about the journey in front of you in the collecting world and recognizing that you have to leave a few shekels on the bone so that other folks will want to do business with you, whether it be you're selling to them or they're selling to you. The more pleasant you are to deal with in either case, it will be a lot easier for you to thin the hoard. So hopefully you've got some value um, out of that. Please email me directly, Leighton, L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N at justcollect.com. If you have any questions about thinning your own hoard, of cards, uh, memorabilia, autographs, vintage, modern, whatever the case may be. But I thought the next topic that we were going to cover on today's episode of Trading Card Therapy fit very well with Thinning the Horde, and that's discussing the grading companies in the industry as they stand right now and the current situation as it is. And the reason why I bring it up like this and following Thinning the Horde is because it used to be a little bit easier to thin the hoard. So if you had some extra cards and they no longer fit your collection or you got them in a deal or you bought them in an auction lot and they just, for whatever reason or another, don't fit your needs at the moment, well, oh great, I'm going to send them off to PSA. Bulk grading, eight bucks. I'll have them back in a few months or better yet. I'm hearing this expression, um, which I'm not particularly a big fan of, but printing money, meaning when PSA was grading modern, For 6 or $8, it was like printing money. The reason why I don't like that expression is because nothing in life other than actually the act of printing money is really that simple, or at least from my standpoint, as a veteran of 20 plus years and having bought and sold over $50 million uh, of vintage cards uh, and modern cards as well, very rarely does it feel like you're printing money. It feels like you're doing something you're passionate about. It feels like you're building a business. And if you're doing it for the long haul, there may be instances where you feel like there's been times it's been a little bit easier to make money, but certainly not printing money unless you're the government uh, and the United States of America. But we could talk about politics and inflation on a different episode of Trading Card Therapy or frankly, just a new show. Getting back to center here, all kidding aside, if you want to thin the hoard properly, it's a little bit more challenging than it used to be in terms of where do I get my cards graded? So you can see behind me I got PSA, we used to do the Vintage Breaks uh, PSA show, and PSA is now very limited on the submissions that they'll accept from the public. I believe the cheapest you can submit a card to PSA for uh, to get it graded is $200, even though the service is fairly expedited, that is very expensive, considering you used to be able to grade a 2019 Jean Morant or a 2020 you know, Joey Adele rookie out of the base tops or Prism products for six or eight bucks. Yeah, so not only are those days long gone, we don't know if they're ever coming back. So the reason why we're bringing up the grading companies today is because I recognize that the state that we find ourselves in as a hobby, as a collecting industry, it's a little bit more difficult to thin the horde than ever before. So we were talking about this over the last few days in a group that I'm in. And this is the advice that I would give you. If it's vintage, well, it's not really going to go bad. And unless you need it graded today, don't sweat waiting for PSA to reopen or shout out to SGC. It's a fantastic grading company. I personally do not know much about HGA or CSG, but those are both two grading companies that are making some noise now in the sports card space. And You should ask yourself, why am I getting a card graded? If you're getting a card graded just for posterity and just to kind of preserve it, well then frankly, I think whatever holder you like best or whatever's the cheapest um, way to get it graded um, and holdered so that you'll protect your investment um, and have it for the future is great. But if you're talking about dollars, you know, Wampum, PSA, for the most part these days, their cards are selling on average for more than the competitors. That being said, you can no longer grade a Ja Morant or a Zion or a Joe Adele rookie for six or eight bucks with PSA. So what do you do? Well, if you're a collector, I would just either not get the cards graded or get the cards graded with the company that I think gives me the best value, the best bang for the buck. And I'll see them before my son Crosby, who's six, uh, is going to be married. And once again, no knock on PSA's business, they've just been uh, very fortunate to be in a industry that's exploding with growth, and so they found themselves millions of cards behind, have the utmost confidence that Nat Turner and his team will eventually uh, right that ship and get back to some sort of more economical grading for the collecting public. However, for the time being, that's not realistic. And so getting back to the Zion, the Jaws, and the PJ Washingtons, this is where I'm at with the cards that I have, and this is I'm now mainly more talking for business as opposed to a collector. Because as a collector, I'm never in a rush to get my cards graded. Doesn't matter to me as much. But as a you know dealer, investor, someone who's making my living in this space, I'm not worried as much about the Zions and Jaws. Although I am now starting to grade some of that modern stuff with SGC. For full disclosure, I have not tried HGA or CSG yet, but I have every intention to at some point. However. When it comes to the PJ Washingtons and the Devonte Graham's of the world and no knock on them. These are, you know, good young basketball players. But like the deal is when those guys were gonna be hot, you can get them graded bulk, you could sell them, you could thin the hoard, right? Feel great about making a few dollars um, and move on. And so what I worry about for collectors, dealers, you know, uh, investors in the grading spaces, the ones that are a little bit more obvious to grade, grade them now, grade them later, not such a big deal. But what about the players where if you don't grade them now, you're never going to be able to take advantage, i.e. profit, from that person having a little bit more demand or interest because you're not selling the cards raw, because you know, you're know you're stuck in that mind of getting the cards graded. It becomes a challenge as to what to do. And so this doctor's advice here at Trading Card Therapy is to look at each and every situation for what it's worth, And just address it head-on. So if it's a card that you don't need back at a certain time and you can wait for PSA, yeah, don't start grading your 1959s with um, HGA or CSG. Just wait for PSA. However, if you're talking about the modern stuff and you're trying to make money, I absolutely would encourage you to check out SGC, HGA. I know a lot of folks like their slabs. CSG has long been in the comic space uh, before cards. They have um, a grading team, and who's behind what they're uh, what they are, uh, and I like that about um, CSG on their website. So there is some real options in the space of grading sports cards, not name PSA. You have to do your research, and by research, not just checking out those individual websites, but seeing the action on eBay, checking out some of the other auction houses, which of course, as I mentioned, you can find through AuctionReport.com. And looking at the bidding, you know, as it goes on. And of course, as it finishes, um, I see a bunch of comments in here about different grading companies. Please, if you are listening to this podcast and you have an opinion, love for you to share your thoughts, drop your opinion in the comments, what your favorite grading company either was in the past or what it is now, considering all the different moving parts in the grading world as it stands today. So a little... Public service announcement here. Vintage Breaks and Just Collect will be set up at The Philly Show. You can check out the phillyshow.com. We're going to be there September 24th through the 26th. Uh, hopefully, we can meet several of you collectors, fellow breakomaniacs, at the show. Our next big Vintage Breaks event, where we're giving away thousands of dollars in... Vintage cards like a 1953 Topps Mickey Mantle PSA 2.5, a a 1965 Topps Baseball Complete Set with a PSA 6 Mickey Mantle, thousands of dollars in break credit, and much more. You can read about that and all the details of that big event ending on October 17th, Sunday at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on our website at VintageBreaks.com. I'm your host, Leighton Sheldon. This is Trading Card Therapy.